0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lines Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Polak, and I am glad to be back. It has been quite a while for uh, me, but not for my co-host. He's been on here quite a lot lately, and that's Mr. Matt Filipovitz. Matt, how are you doing? Nick, I have a lot of free time
1: right now um, just by nature of my work schedule, and it's been lovely to record a lot of podcasts, but I'm excited to be back with you. I'm glad that you, uh, you powered through your Rose Bowl trip. It looked like a great time. I'm very jealous you got to go.
0: Yes, it was a lot of fun. You know, unfortunately, myself and Matt DeBear and everyone else we know that were there all were dealt a a cold in the aftermath as a result. But you know, I guess that's what happens when you stand out in the rain for know, however many hours it actually ended up raining. But yes, yeah, so it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't go back in 2016, and I, I wasn't a Penn State fan prior, so uh, really happy that I went and. You know, I, you know, I'm a proponent of the 12 team playoff, so I don't mind the fact that the Rose Bowl will be um, just a playoff game going forward. But it was pretty cool to be able to go to the last, you know, quote unquote, you know, true Rose Bowl. Um, that's something that I'm grateful that I got to do before it uh, turns into just playoff mode here. Um, but yeah, it was a blast. You know, I. We got to do Disneyland and stuff while we over there, too, so it was it was a lot of fun. Nice. I watched it at a
1: bar and I got wings um at halftime and then they blew up at halftime so that was fun
0: I like to think those two things were correlated I know you've talked about this before what is the what's the Penn State bar scene like in Chicago so it's really good there's a couple of ones that were
1: like sponsored by the Alumni Association that were a good time I went to one for Wisconsin 2021 um where I got to meet friend of the show and Kit which was a lot of fun um and I had it was 11am local time kick so I had a bloody mary during the game. So that was actually really it was like a fun brunch kind of day. Um but I go to Durnos now um in Lincoln Park in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago next year for Penn State football, uh come to Durnos. It was a great time. Not a sponsor, but they could be.
0: As always, you know, for whatever reason, we have a lot of Seattle listeners to the podcast. If you're listening to this and you're a Penn State fan in Seattle, let me know where you watch the game because I've yet to find some place that I truly enjoy watching it out here, aside from you know my own couch. But that's that's a whole other thing. So before we get dive into this uh, into our show here today, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you are listening to it right now. If you have the chance, leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure that you. I guess it's not is it even called iTunes anymore? I guess it's Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, yeah. And please make sure you also subscribe on YouTube as well if you would like to see our faces. Or if you really don't want to see our faces, then don't. You know, it's it's an optional thing for you. Um, But if you are interested, we get a lot of uh, opposing fans chiming in on the YouTube comments. And it's pretty fun to talk with them and interact with them. So if that's something you'd be interested in. And it's far less toxic than Twitter. So, you know, that's that's a poll. What a low Um, standard. I know it's ridiculous Um, so Matt we are here today to talk about the uh, guys on the Penn State roster that are choosing to spurn the option to head to the NFL, this upcoming NFL draft, and instead are staying in Happy Valley for at least one more season. Um, And real quick, if you're interested in hearing more about the early enrollees for the class of 2023, make sure you go back and listen to the podcast that was just posted on Wednesday, January 11th. Matt and Bill broke those guys down. But instead of talking about guys that are brand new to the program, Matt, today we're going to talk about those guys that are staying around for yet another year. We have talked about some of them Already here and there, but um, we're just going to kind of do an all comprehensive list here. Um, and just you know, for anyone listening, we're not going to talk about guys that we are maybe surprised didn't enter the transfer portal. We're just going to focus on those guys that you know really had a legitimate NFL decision to make here. So Matt, uh, let's start off with uh, fashanu and we're not going to go too deeply into him here because we've already talked about him a bit. But probably the biggest surprise. Out of everybody, Penn State could have uh, entered in, or anybody from Penn State that could have entered the draft this year for the sole reason that, you know, there's, you know, there's Peter, I don't know how to say his last name, Skaronsky. Skaronsky from Northwestern. There's Paris Johnson from Ohio from Ohio State. Those are pretty much the top two tackles on the board, it seems like. And Olufushanu probably had a pretty decent chance to go ahead of either one of them and very easily could have been top 10, maybe even a top five type pick. So obviously, as a Penn State fan, like we're very happy he's back, but it, it, a little surprising, I would think.
1: Yeah. Um. So the draft deadline has now passed, so you cannot enter your name into the NFL draft uh, pool any longer. So The guys that are here are the guys that are here, barring transfer. Um, So Olu is the biggest one. I I am not that surprised he opted to stay just because he literally just turned 20 years old. And it's got to be hard to be 20 years old in the NFL. Like uh, He's such a young player for his quote-unquote grade, if you want to call it that in college. Um, So for him to come back, I think just to get another year of experience, this was a three-star kid what we thought would be a developmental project and it feels like he really just put it all together really quickly and there's not a ton of game tape on him which I think makes him um a bit of an unknown to NFL teams and that can be a pro and a con like you look at like Trey Lance who the Niners took a couple years back there was next to no game tape on him but the Niners still felt he was worth a top five pick just because of his intangibles um I think Olu could have easily have gone that route but for him to come back refine his craft a little bit more it's just huge for Penn State. It's huge for Drew Aller. It's huge for Phil Troutwine. Like this offensive line in 2023 has a chance to be, I will go beyond good and I will say it has a chance to be great. And that's a huge jump and I do not make that statement lightly.
0: Um, And Olufoshanu is the the main reason why I feel like I can say that now. Yeah, it it certainly seems like it has a chance and i this year's line was pretty good for the most part they they had some yeah. lapses but um you're right next year's line looks like it could be amazing and we're going to talk about um a couple other guys in that group as well uh, but real quick matt before i continue because i forgot to mention at the top with each of these guys we're going to talk about what their role is going to be uh ahead of next season or what we think their role is going to be we're also going to talk about how it uh, affects you know the their position room at large for oluf shanu it's pretty simple you know he's the starting left tackle one of the best starting left tackles in college football. As far as what it means for the room, the only thing that is really interesting here, I think, is talking about Drew Shelton. Yep, because now there's a you know there's a decision that the staff needs to make, especially given that he's burned his red shirt. Um, not that he couldn't you know end up taking a red shirt next year as a result, but there's an interesting decision as far as do you keep him behind Fashanu at left tackle? You know, continue to. Just develop him as the heir apparent, um, assuming that Fashanu is gone after next season, he can step in the year after and take over. Or do you start working him over on the right side and see if he can be your right tackle as soon as next season? What do you think? I think I think they're going to move him to right tackle. I think hmm.
1: it's very rare that a guy plays as a true freshman and then goes on to redshirt the following year. Like that only happens if an injury happens. And the reason I think right tackle is going to be where he has to end up is because. Bryce Effner is stepping away from the game of football after five really great years as part of this program. And now Caden Wallace has to deal with maybe a platoon again, which is totally fine. So I think that in order to get the most out of your right tackle spot, you need to have a lot of competition there. And that's where I think Shelton's going to have a lot of value in in pushing guys like Caden Wallace and Jimmy Christ and, and those guys on the outside.
0: And I think something else too, James Franklin has talked in the past before about, um, Doing whatever he can do from his side of things to, you know, obviously, number one is winning football games at Penn State, but also making sure that he can make his players as attractive to NFL teams as possible. I know we heard him talk about that back with uh, Will Fries, I believe, is when that conversation really happened. He talked about getting Fries time in multiple spots to improve his NFL profile. And, you know, Shelton's a really talented guy, even if he does end up going back to left tackle after Fashanu leaves. You know, having the ability to play on the right side is not at all a detriment because you don't know where and a NF- future NFL team is going to want him. So it's not a bad thing. Definitely, there's no such thing as too much tape at too many positions. So uh, as we continue on our list here, we're going to hit like kind of the big names first, and you know the guys that we think are going to be most impactful for the 2023 Penn State Nittany Lions. And after Fashanu, there's two other big names that you know are potential, you know, top two round guys and this one's kind of tricky because of the position he plays but curtis jacobs um in one of the more simplistic ways to announce that you'll be returning um a simple graphic it says i'm back which i love i thought it was great it was great Um, but he has he has announced that he will also be returning next year to penn state one that we probably assumed would be the case we thought he'd be back but there was definitely a question really talented kid um Tape I would say this past season was a bit uneven early on when he was playing mostly the will linebacker. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't say he really stood out much. And that is the one linebacker position where I'd say you, you do really stand out if you you know, if you if you got the juice, you're gonna stand out there. But once he moved back to the Sam linebacker spot when Abdul Carter started emerging, then we saw Jacobs really take off. And of course that's where he played the year before when Brandon Smith was manning the will. So I th- I think this is it. You know, for Manny Diaz to get another year of Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter together is, you know, he's got to be excited about that.
1: Yeah, this is this one's huge. I mean, think about what we were thinking about this Penn State linebacker room, you know, this time last year. We there were so many unknowns. There were so many question marks. And now I'd go as far as to say linebacker is the position on the defense I'm most confident in uh, that that can be productive. And you're right. Jacobs did kind of look lost at the will to start the year. Um, I do appreciate that they held Abdul Carter's hand a little bit. I think that was the smart thing to do, uh, especially for a guy who has to take on a really physical role as that linebacker. But once it was clear he was ready, moving Jacobs back to Sam, where he dominated against a lot of really physical, run-heavy teams. And it's a bummer they didn't have that for Michigan. Like, that wasn't the plan at that point, so I think that game could have been at least closer. Um, but after the Rose Bowl performance Jacobs just had, where he had two sacks... Um, in the biggest game of the year for Penn State, the biggest win of the year, to be sure, is just a against
0: m- a very elusive quarterback.
1: But yeah, a very well, granted the backup came in, wasn't the same guy, right. but still, for I, the I second one. Yeah, yeah and the, Utah's offensive line is no slouch. That's a good unit. Um, so Jacob's coming back, I think, really, really skyrockets the floor of this defense. He's a bit of a tweener, I think, for the NFL. So I think the more good tape he has, it's only going to help his stock. I mean, he's a guy, he was going to be a true senior anyway. Like, this year was the first year he was eligible to leave, and I think mm-hmm. I think he'll really benefit greatly from that fourth year on campus, and I'm excited to see him take what I think
0: is going to be a big step forward in 2023. Yeah, so his role is very clear. Like, he's going to stay at the same linebacker. Yep. But I think there is an interesting question to ask um, as maybe as far as, you know, when Penn State goes into two linebacker sets. Do you think this off season they work to make sure that when they do go two linebackers instead of Carter and insert middle linebacker here or Jacobs and insert middle linebacker here, do you think that they spend a lot a, a lot of time this off season working to make sure that those two linebacker sets are Jacobs and Carter? I think they have to. I mean, keep your best eleven on the field. I mean, the the four two
1: five is realistically, Another really good shot to be the base set next year, just with how talented this Penn State secondary is is setting up to be. So if you can go out there, you can have your four down linemen, you can have a game wrecker like uh, Abdul Carter, you can just send after the quarterback and you can send Jacobs, a guy who was more or less a safety at the high school level and still has those coverage skills out there to drop. I think that's going to be a phenomenal place to be, especially on, you know, those third and long packages where Penn State Let's be honest, it it was feast or famine for them in those situations in 2022. They either got a pick, felt like got a big sack, or they were burned by, you know, a running quarterback scampering out of there and getting just enough yards. So if
0: they can go out there and they can keep those two on the field more, it's only going to help this defense in the long run. And as far as how it affects the rest of the room, I'd say minimally, right? It's not like there were any other young linebackers aside from Abdul Carter really breaking down the door this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anything, I think it's a good thing for the room overall, aside from just, you know, having Curtis Jacobs, who's a phenomenal talent. It gives, you know, the Jamari buttons and the Tony Rojases and all the, and the Keon Wiley's and all those guys, just more time to continue developing, learning, growing, all that good stuff. Um, Any other effects in the room that you see there? Um best linebacker room in the Big Ten and mm. States. I'm not inclined to disagree with you. I would have to dive a bit deeper in some of the other teams, but when you have Jacobs and Abdul Carter, I think it's kinda hard to argue that point. And with Kobe um, King. I
1: know your your boy Kobe King
0: with his emergence too. I, I think Kobe it's King. it's gonna be a really fun room. I do love me some Kobe King. I think he's going to have a big year next year. Um, the third name on our you know most impactful section here of the returners is defensive end Adisa Isaac, who posted a more traditional "I'm returning" post with all glory to God and thank you to all these people and blah blah blah. I like the simplistic approach better, but so be it. Adisa Isaac, uh, you know somebody that I think. There's probably a good portion of Penn State fans that were surprised that he even had the chance to enter the NFL draft this year just because he missed the entire season and we just lost a lot of time with him. But between he and Chop Robinson, it's pretty similar to Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs. It's just with Isaac now returning, it's yet another duo on the defense that is just extremely, extremely talented and could be a game changer for Manny Diaz once again. Yeah, with Tarburton declining to take that sixth year, uh, Isaac's
1: you know came underneath kind of a microscope because he the prospects of that position room hinged on his decision, and I think he made a good one. I think it's it's really hard to be productive your first year back from that kind of injury, um, mm-hmm. and I think a year of going through the full offseason workouts, the full conditioning, another year in this system. I mean, Adisa Isaac is a freak of an athlete. He's the kind of guy who the staff was able to drop back in coverage a lot of the time, which is just a really unique look. And you've got to be a good athlete to be a defensive end and have the ability to drop back. Like there's very few guys that can do it well. So Isaac's strength is always going to be his speed. So I think him getting a little bit more of that back, again, it was, it was an Achilles injury. I think we're all we're all fairly confident saying. So that's a hard one to build strength back up in that part of your body. So I'm excited to see him go back out there, regroup after a year back on the field, He's mentally ready again, and I want to see him go out there and become a really dominant speed edge rusher, kind of like what we saw Shaka Tony be. I think that's a realistic and attainable goal. And, I mean, the the floor of that room is now elevated a ton between um, Adisa Isaac coming back and and with Zariah Fisher and Smith Vilbert both hopefully being available in 2023. It's just,
0: it's going to be another really fun room, and just kudos to John Scott Jr. for building that up. Yeah, and even with... um with Isaac coming back from injury, you could tell too. Like every week, he just looked a little more comfortable, a yep. little bit faster. I thought he looked incredible in the Rose Bowl. I thought so too. Um, he, yeah, you could just tell. Every single snap, he looked more and more comfortable, more, you know, closer and closer back to what he really can be. So it's it's really exciting to have him back as well. I thought he was going to go. I mean, on I, Of all these guys, I thought he
1: was going to go because he was a game a game mm. captain for the Rose Bowl. And everybody else who was a game captain was a sixth-year guy or a fifth-year guy who ran out of eligibility. I was really surprised to see him come
0: back after I saw him be named a game captain. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder maybe maybe the plan—you know—maybe it changed. Maybe he was leaning to go, or I mean, it's also possible it's just some kind of like practice player of the week type thing gets right. you the captainship for the game. So we don't, we don't really know that, but um, yeah, it's he is a remarkable talent someone that uh, you mentioned John Scott Jr has done a great job with him especially coming off the injury being able to work him back in in positive ways and yeah I the Shakatonian comparisons an interesting one um I feel like I see, I see it as kind of a the halfway point between Shakatoni and Yitor mottos because he has you know a decent guys great size I don't think he has the ability to flex inside the way that each gross matos did but and he might not be quite as fast as Shakatoni or explosive off the edge but that's fair the middle point there is you know it's still a really really great player that's really versatile and can you know defend the pass and the run and it's just going to keep improving his nfl profile as well he could easily be a top two round guy with another big year on tape for sure
1: yeah i think he's a guy who i think that's a really good you know Place to compare him to halfway between ygm and between shaka i think that's a that's a really fair comparison you're welcome um
0: <laughs> let's talk about home field apparel matt let's do um, it um i was as i was at the rose bowl i was on the lookout for any home field gear i could find now it, it, because of the rain it gets a little tricky because you know people are putting on raincoats and ponchos and stuff and so it's a little harder to spot but i did i did spy a couple um I was wearing a home field shirt, but it was under, you know, under a 14 jersey, which I wore for Cliff. Um, But I I did see some out there. So that was that was encouraging. I looked for the RLR gear as well. didn't see any. Um, But again, you know, it wasn't wasn't like a necessarily a worn day. So a lot of sweatshirts and all that stuff. But um, yeah, you know, I haven't talked to you since before the holidays, I don't think. Did you get any Home Field stuff for, for Christmas or did you give any Home Field stuff? I did not get any, but I gave
1: Home Field. Um, friend of the blog, blog, LOL. Friend of the pod, <laughs> throwback. Uh, thre- friend of the pod, Stanley, um, I know, got mm-hmm. Home Field for his beloved uh, friends and family and that was on a recommendation from me. So uh, I gave a little nice. bit of an assist
0: there, I think. Yeah, I it's I gave my mom... One t-shirt, one t-shirt, and I think I got my dad a sweatshirt also. That might have been from somewhere else. But, um, you know, Home Field Apparel, awesome Christmas gift. All It's an awesome anytime gift or just, you know, splurge purchase or whatever. But um, we've talked about them before. Unbeatable quality, unbeatable just ideas and designs. Um, I'm not a Georgia fan, obviously, but I saw the Georgia National Championship shirt that they just put out, and I love it. Like, I, it's it's a beautiful shirt. Um, but... You know, we've raved on and on about Homefield. They're a great sponsor. We love working with them. They make amazing stuff that is designed, you know, truly as if it was somebody who spent 30 years analyzing your school's history and, deciding the perfect shirt to make um if you've never ordered from Homefield before let's say maybe you know maybe you got some extra money to throw around after christmas you know maybe you had to return something you got a gift card to spend or something why don't you go ahead and throw that money at the home field apparel where if you put in your first order you can use the code roar lions roar all caps all one word for 15 percent off at checkout that can be for any penn state shirts or sweatshirts that could be for any school stuff. I have some Wazoo stuff. Matt, you've got stuff for 100 different schools. I do. It is well worth the time. It is a fantastic company, fantastic people. They make great apparel. We love working with them. Check out Home Field Apparel. Use the code ROARLINES for our checkout for 15% off, and you will not be upset that you did. Now, Matt, let's dive back into our returners. We have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five other guys here that realistically could have gone to the NFL. Now, these are guys that probably would not have been um, high selections. We're probably talking about day three guys here at this point, maybe some sneaking into day two. But while they may not have gone as high in the NFL draft, their presence on the Penn State roster in 2023 is going to be really important in all of these cases. And it's great to see them back. And let's start with defensive tackle Devon Ellis. This is a big one. Now, this is a is a big one. This is a big one because... P.J. Mustafer, finally out of eligibility. We're going to miss P.J. dearly, um, but he will be off to the NFL now after a fantastic Penn State career. And one that you know was really important for kind of rebuilding the or strengthening, let's say, the McDonough to Penn State line that has yielded some really important players, including Curtis Jacobs since then. So um, love P.J. I'm sure when we get close to the draft, we'll we'll do a whole podcast love letter to him. But for now, let's talk about Ellis, because he seems like the most natural guy to step up and replace Mustafer in the lineup. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think he's absolutely maybe the most important defensive tackle for Penn State going into 2023.
0: Mm. And he, I, while well, he wasn't playing, you know, he wasn't playing necessarily starter snaps this year, but I feel like he took a really tangible step forward in his development. I was really impressed with what I saw from Ellis this year.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest reason he's on this list for us is because he walked at senior day. Um, So I I thought that was kind of a sign that he was heading out the door, uh, even though he has even non-COVID eligibility left. He has two years if he takes advantage of the COVID year. Um, So I thought he was going to go. But you're right. He took on a bigger role, I think, as they tried to take some stuff off of PJ's plate. I think after he got hurt in 2021, it just became clear that that volume of snaps was unrealistic for a second straight year. So Ellie stepped up in a big way, I thought, and especially those early games when Kaziah Izzard was also out. Um, And I think that I noticed when Ellie's made splash plays. I think maybe it's because he celebrates really enthusiastically. I don't know why. (laughs) I just remember Ellie's when he would get by guards and centers and bring down people behind the line of scrimmage. I remember those plays. Um, And that's a great place to exist in. If you're a splash player kind of guy in your limited role, I'm willing to bet you can match that as a starter. So Penn State is very small at defensive tackle right now with Hakeem Beeman and Kazai Izzard being the two other most experienced guys in that room. And Franklin said they have to get bigger. Devon Ellis is the kind of guy who can make you bigger along the interior. So I'm I'm really curious to see what his role looks like. And I'm so happy he's getting a chance to start.
0: Yeah, I I, I would expect him to be probably one of the leading snap getters at defensive tackle. I would think unless, you know, somebody else takes a big step forward that we're not, you know, necessarily predicting, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought he was really great this season. I think that he is, like you said, he plays an important role. He's a big body on the interior that they really need between Beeman and, you know, guys like Zane Durant, who are really quick and have really, um, really bright futures in the interior, but they're, they just don't have that size. So yeah, Elise plays an important role here. And I, it's, uh, I I know he walked at senior day, but prior to that, I wouldn't say we were expecting him to go. No, so no all way. of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden it, you know, his return, like you said, became big news because he just brings a different element to that room than they have. And had he been gone, they would probably be much deeper into the defensive tackle um portion of the transfer portal right now because it would be a sore, sore need at this point. So awesome to have him back for sure.
1: Yeah, he logged uh 15 total tackles, two tackles for a loss and one sack. So, for for an interior guy
0: who didn't play starters reps, those are those are pretty good numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um let's keep it in the trenches, but let's flip to the other side of the football. Somebody else that we've talked about briefly already because he announced uh I think pretty much right after the um Michigan State game, but that's a uh, presumed center next year Hunter Norzad. Um again, not somebody that we I'd probably someone we didn't really have a great feel for either way, as far as NFL or coming back, just because he was um, a transfer. We just didn't, you know, he hadn't been in Happy Valley for too long. But somebody who I thought played pretty well this year, and somebody that I expect to do quite well in the center with the center job next year, assuming he does win it. Um, not saying he'll necessarily be as good as Juice Scruggs was. I think Scruggs was phenomenal this year, but you know, I feel pretty comfortable with Norzad presumably taking the reins for that job next year. Yeah,
1: it's going to be his sixth season, or I guess sixth year, that Ivy League didn't play in 2020, so call it how you will. It's a bonus year of eligibility he's taken advantage of, and I really liked what he gave them at guard this year. I thought he was the really good complement to Landon Tangwall to start things off, and then when he had to start, I didn't notice him a lot of the time, um, which is always mm-hmm. what you want to see out of your left guard. Like, the one time I did, I think, was him pulling against Ohio State where he just mauled a guy on the outside. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And him going over to center, I think, is big. I think you want your experience and your leadership, you know, in the middle of your offensive line. You know, the most important cog, the guy who touches the football in every single play, um, and the leader of that unit. So, he's a guy, I think, can match Scruggs' production. But even if he takes even a small step back, the guys around him are so talented that I think he's the kind of guy who can perform at like, you know, 13, honorable mention, all big 10 level. And there's been very few offensive linemen we've seen, you know, be able to achieve that. So I have, I have high hopes for that, for the sixth year senior and the Cornell transfer.
0: Yeah. And as far as how it affects the room um, again, minimally, I think Mm -hmm. that without him, it probably would have been maybe Nick Dawkins at center next year. I'm curious if they would have tried Vega there. I'm curious if they would have
1: done some shuffling there That's just thought, because, yeah. you know, Sal Wormley, Vega, um, Landon Tangwall, JB Nelson are all interior guys. I'm curious if they would have shuffled around one of those guys before, with Dawkins being hurt for the majority of this year, too.
0: Yeah, I wonder if maybe even like um, Alex Birchmeyer.
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. A That's freshman. a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, but either way, very happy to have Norzad back on the other end well not other end from the middle to the other end of the line we talked about Olufushanu also returning next year will be a potential right tackle Caden Wallace Wallace is an interesting one mostly because his play was I'd say quite uneven in 2022 Um, he won the right tackle job out of camp comes in you know came to Penn State with high pedigree I believe he was like a 9600 somewhere around there on the 247 composite so you know came in with hype was one of their higher rated offensive linemen ever as a recruit but just hasn't quite put it all together yet you know there's still you know theoretically the option of him going back to guard but he's so big that you just you look at him you, you see a tackle so um definitely questions there and i i don't think he'll be handed the right tackle job by any means i think he's going to be competing with Drew Shelton he'll be competing um you know th- they've talked about how they're going to start Birchmeyer and Jaden Williams on the outside so they could even enter their names in the conversation if they you know get off to a fast start so this is an interesting one to me. I But honestly, I was probably thinking Wallace was more of a portal candidate than an NFL guy. But when you have the size he does and the pedigree he does, it's not like he would have latched on somewhere in the NFL, probably in a practice squad. But I think someone would have taken a chance on him. I think there's, I think there is still a damn good ball
1: player in Caden Wallace. Like, I think there's still a guy who can live up to that potential. He's, he's struggled at right tackle. Like, he, he's, this will mm-hmm. be his fourth year as a starter. And it feels like he's just been, He's been decent his entire career. And that's not what you want, but you'll take it, especially for what the Penn State offensive line has been for the last decade. Um, I think with this level of competition in the room now, I think it's gonna be really freaking hard to not be borderline dominant and keep that right tackle job. And I think Caden Wallace is up to that challenge. I mean, he mostly struggled early. I think he settled in nicely late, and then he got hurt, and then he did return for the Rose Bowl in limited capacity and I just want to see him fend off Drew Shelton. I think Javon Williams is going to be a swing guy no matter what. I think Birchmeyer is going to eventually go over to guard. Um, So really, it's between Caden Wallace and Drew Shelton for this right tackle job. And right now, personally, I think I would have to give Drew Shelton the edge. But that doesn't mean I don't think Caden Wallace can go out there, figure it out, have it all click, and get the lion's share of the reps. I think it's going to be a platoon no matter how you slice it, just because I think Shelton's that good but I think Wallace is really going
0: to elevate his play and become a a pretty solid right tackle for Penn state moving forward. He's, He's like you said, he certainly has the ability to do so tons of raw talent. You know, it's like you said, you hope that this ends up being a situation where the competition elevates the play and that he's able to rise up to that. And like you said, it's probably going to stay a platoon situation no matter what, but that doesn't mean it can't be a platoon of two really good, high performing players. Um, and like you said, he I th- thought he did improve as the year went on. Definitely did not look great at the beginning of the season, but you know, like he has all the talent in the world, and there's no reason to think that he can't continue to build on it um, and have a huge last season in Happy Valley. Two more guys we're going to talk about here, Matt. One on the offense, one on the offensive side, and one on the defensive side, and uh, let's stay on the offensive side here. Very similar to the offensive line, and let's talk about tight end Theo Johnson. Another name that maybe most Penn State fans were not necessarily expecting to go to the NFL. I know we weren't, but somebody with, you know, insane pass catching ability, great size, great speed for the position. And with the way the tight end position in the NFL is evolving, I think had he decided to go to the NFL, he certainly would have found somewhere. I don't know that he would have been higher than a day three pick, but But he would have been a day three pick. Yeah, his profile is one of an NFL tight end, even if the production so far collegiately doesn't necessarily line up with that. But for Penn State, especially with Brenton Strange off to the NFL, not that this is a room hurting for depth. It's not. And they're bringing in multiple freshmen who could contribute as early as this year as well. But Theo Johnson is the unquestioned lead dog in this room when it comes to the big time receiving threats from the tight end position. Which is something that we saw Mike Yurcich's Mike offense in. Oh boy, that was a rough sentence. Welcome which back, we welcome saw. Back, we missed you. Which we saw <laughs> in Mike Yurcich's offense evolve as the season went on. Um, we saw them get more and more involved with the play calling and be targeted more and more often downfield. So getting him back is huge, especially for a first-year quarterback or think, first-year starter. Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a. Maybe I'll float this take out to you. Let me see what you think. Is Theo okay. Johnson the tight end in name only? Um. So basically, are you asking me? It's like, is he Jimmy Graham on the Saints? Um, is, he, is he a glorified? No, you think about I don't think okay. so. Okay, okay. I don't think, I think so. I think he's, Um, I think it, we we have seen Theo Johnson block. Like, I don't think he's a bad blocker. I think he's right. shown some pretty good things in that department. He just doesn't get asked to do it a whole lot. Um. Whereas you know guys like guys like Jimmy Graham and you know what's another one like Kyle Pitts like they don't get asked to block and they're not particularly good at it either. I don't think he's quite that far in that direction.
1: Okay, that that's fair. He he does block pretty well when they go with the T formation. So that that's a fair that's a fair response to that. I guess my point is when you think about the way Penn State lines up their receivers, whether that be most notably to me the stack when they come out in the stack mm-hmm. formation. Johnson is always split out wide and and Warren's yeah. done that sometimes strange does that has done that sometimes but Johnson is the primary guy to do that and that's really rare for a tight end to be your outside threat and that's where I think Johnson's going to have a lot of value. This receiver room is unproven and it's thin on experienced players. Like there's I think 11 scholarship guys at time of recording um and I think Johnson is kind of like 11 and a half for those receivers and I think he's going to be a big security blanket for Drew Aller. I think he's going to put up phenomenal numbers at the tight end position for Penn State this year. And I would go as far to say he is the most important pass catcher for Penn State in 2023. Um, I don't think that's overstepping anything. And, you know, he could have gone pro. I think he would have been a surefire day three pick. I think he's going to test really well when that time comes. But I think he can put up some really crazy numbers in this offense next year. And I'm excited to see how his role evolves without Bretton Strange there anymore. And, it's great because even with him coming back, that doesn't mean, you know, we're going to see less of Tyler Warren or that Jerry Cross or Khalil Dinkins or Joey Schlafer or Andrew, Rapp- Andrew Rappelier can't all go out there and get minutes as well. I think Johnson is just a very unique talent and very
0: important for Drew Aller in this passing game. I'm not sure I'd go so far to say he's the most important. I think that okay. distinction probably belongs to Keionder Lambert Smith, but Your boy. I wouldn't argue I wouldn't I love Calendar. What, so what was your what was your reaction to his so.
1: touchdown in the Rose Bowl, by the way? Not to get off
0: topic, but were you going oh, insane? Man. I just pure elation. Like I I feel like I I noticed the play happening pretty quickly. Like mm-hmm. I saw him gain that separation right away and I I, I I you could tell the touchdown was coming from a mile away just cuz of the way the way way the play played out but um I was I was very very happy. It was that was a lot of fun to see. I'm I will remain on the KLS train until such a day that he is no longer on the Penn State roster. So very very much very much my jam there. Um but yeah, I I to your point about you know to go back to that Theo Johnson question whether he's really tied in or not. I I I think these days it's more like is your tight end do you treat your tight end like a tight end fullback hybrid or a tight end receiver hybrid like i think i don't think there's any like true like I, i i would maybe george kittle like might be the only like actual like tight end tight end as defined by the previous however many years of football um but i i definitely agree that he's going to be a hugely hugely important piece to the passing game uh i wouldn't be surprised if he was i mean i, I think saying top 3 in targets is you know about as safe as i can get he might even end up top 2 in targets in the end like i could see a scenario playing out where that happens depending oh, yeah. on what happens with the wide receiver transfer portal you know we'll see there but um i it's I I am probably more excited about ah, man. I know I put Theo in the second group here. I probably could have very easily put Theo Johnson in the first group as far as guys I'm most excited about returning. Yep. Um I just didn't because you know the the path of the NFL wasn't quite as clear where those other guys were, you know, top, top selections. But this is huge for Penn State's offense. Like you said, getting him back is absolutely massive, especially his security blanket for Drew Ballard, who will be in his first year as a starter, or so we think. Um, <laughs> last guy, Matt. Let's flip it over to the defensive side of the football. And this is another one where not necessarily somebody that we were expecting to see go, but somebody that could have. And I thought, put, despite being the least hyped of the three guys at his position that we'll mention here in a moment, Put just as good of things on tape, I think, as the other two, and that's cornerback Johnny Dixon. Obviously, Joey Porter Jr. gets you know the lion's share of the hype, and he's most likely going to be a first-round pick. He should. He was fantastic this year. Gonna miss him dearly. Kalen King, Pro Football focused darling, Kalen King um, has also <laughs> done congratulations incredible... to Ohio State
1: on your Pro Football Focus <laughs> national
0: championship. Oh boy, we don't even have time for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kalen King uh, had an outstanding year, capped by a phenomenal Rose Bowl performance as well. Beautiful interception, but he was fantastic this year. But Johnny Dixon was, I would say, equally as good as the other two, honestly. And I think he was more versatile than the other two because they would send him on cornerback blitzes. Um, he had that basically the game ceiling uh, sack against Purdue in week one. He was outstanding this year and you know he's he is going to be again one of the top three corners next year he should be the starter along with Kalen King um, who knows with Storm Duck coming in but either way he's going to be part of a um, triumvirate of high-end cornerbacks again and he's the unsung unsung hero of this room by far
1: yeah he's a guy who again I think you and I both probably think day three is most realistic but he is out of natural that's a horrible way to word that Traditional eligibility. (laughs) Traditional eligibility he's out of um, because he played in 2019 um, as a true freshman for South Carolina. So now this will be his fifth season. Um, And he's a guy who I totally forgot about that, Nick. There was that weird stretch in September where Johnny Dixon was the only player who could sack a quarterback. Do you remember that? That really (laughs) weird phase where... It was just, let's bring Johnny Dixon on a corner of blitz, and it just kept working. Um, I totally well, forgot about Wasn't there
0: about... a point where the the team lead in sacks was a tie between Deny Dennis Sutton, who got like two-on-one drive in garbage time, and Johnny Dixon? It, it uh, So Johnny Dixon finished with three total sacks. I think they all came in like
1: September. Um, so I, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, but yeah, Dixon's a really unique guy in that, you're right, he was the third dog in this pack. He was the kind of forgotten guy because Porter, obviously, just name recognition, his own play. He was just a guy that the media and everybody kind of fell in love with. Caitlin King, I think, is the best natural corner in the Big Ten. I think he's a better natural corner than Joey Porter Jr. I think Porter might be a better football player because he's so physical and so imposing. Um, but like naturally as like a tactician, I think it's King. Um but Dixon went out there and he played really well once Porter went out with appendicitis and that's a really talented room because you have Caitlin King, Johnny Dixon are your starters, Storm Duck's going to get a ton of run, Daquan Hardy, your boy, is still in there, Cam Miller, the freshman they brought in. Dixon's going to have to play at a really high level, and I think he really set the stage for that with his closing to the 2022 campaign. So I don't think it's going to get any easier for quarterbacks to throw in this Penn State secondary, and a big reason for that is Johnny Dixon. That might be one of the better transfer portal finds of of this, like, era. I don't know how much longer it's going to be the Wild West like this, but to find a guy that young in his career still, you know, he had came to Penn State with three years of eligibility left, and he's been a good player for at least two of those, and I think he's going to go out there and be a
0: great one for his third year. Yeah, he's been – yeah, it's hard to really – crown a best transfer because penn state has done, re- done really really well in, it's in the jordan transfer stout portal. it's jordan stout by the way for best transfer oh there's a lot that you, you got jordan stout you got arnold abicati you got Derek tangelo you have johnny dixon you have um let's oh, just think of somebody else just on the tip of my tongue um what position oh boy uh mitchell tinsley there we go um yeah i mean there's there's a lot of candidates there but um and I think Riley, Riley Thompson, new punter, I think he could eventually add himself to that to that list also, along with Jordan Stout. Can um, I ask you something yeah, about that d- punter real quick? Sure. He's, so he was a freshman All-American last year, correct? Mm-hmm. But he's
1: a senior now this year. Uh, is is that true? I'm fairly confident that's true, and I think it's because he's Australian, so his eligibility is a little bit weird. Like, I think because mm. he's, he's 23 years old. Like, I can't imagine he's going to be a true sophomore. Right. Um, all right I'll, I'll look into that and I'll bring it up on the next pod because I'm pretty sure he has one year of eligibility
0: left despite being a freshman all-American last year. huh interesting. It, that I, I cannot confirm nor deny that. Um, but what I can confirm is that Johnny Dixon is a dude. I absolutely love watching him play. Um, like you said, probably not somebody who's going to go super high in the NFL draft mostly just because of his size. He's not that big of a guy, but he is you know he does not get enough credit. For what he does for the Penn State defense. Um, not not enough credit, not nearly enough as he should. Um, the other thing to talk about here, and it's not necessarily Dixon related um specifically, but just to talk about what it means for the cornerback room in general. Speaking of transfers to go off on a tangent here, right. I am really surprised that we did not see, you know, I I was pretty feeling pretty confident that we would see at least like maybe two transfers out of that cornerback room um, or guys entering the portal at least just because of the number of guys ahead of them and the fact that they brought in Storm Duck. But I think the fact that they are not speaks volumes to how guys feel about what can happen for their careers under the development of Terry Smith and uh, Manny Diaz, of course, as well.
1: All right, two quick things. All right, Thompson, this is pure friend of the pod, Daniel Gowan. Thompson has okay. one season of eligibility remaining. His clock started while he was still in Australia. So although he okay. was a freshman last year, he has one season left. Um, okay, okay. Then, then we're done talking about Aussie punters. Um, but <laughs> on, on that point on Terry Smith and trusting him, let's think back to the 2014 recruiting class where Penn State brought in a handful of corners who went on to play in the NFL. Grant Haley, mm-hmm. Christian Campbell, and Amani O'Rewarriere. Haley and Campbell got in the field right away over had to take a redshirt and was patient and over has gone on to become the best pro of all of them like terry smith has shown that if you trust his process he will get you to that next level um and i think that's a really good example of that i know a lot of these guys who are being recruited now aren't probably old enough to remember those days but that's still a really big selling point is that he has gotten guys to the nfl he has got he's gonna have the first defensive back drafted for, in the first round in penn state history and he's a guy that it just seems like guys love to play for. And I think he's the most um
0: important hire Franklin maybe has has ever made. Yeah, we could be entering a true golden age of Penn State defensive backs because Porter Jr. is almost certainly going to be a first rounder this year. Kalen King has a very good chance of being a first rounder next year. Um, there's a ton of talent in that room behind them. So that train could really just be, you know, getting going. Um which is as as somebody who has been begging for years for Penn State to have a true lockdown-type cornerback to have gotten to see three on the team this past year, was I I I go back and tell my you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 self that that would be happening, and I would not believe you. Um, so, Avi Dixon coming back, huge for this team, um, very underrated, perhaps the most underrated one on this list to be returning along with Devon Ellis, I yeah, would say. that's fair. Well, Matt, I think that does it. Those those are all the guys um, that we could think of, at least that were, you know, guys that could have gone into the NFL and chose not to. Um, at a later date, maybe we'll talk about guys that we thought maybe were portal candidates that decide to stay. Maybe when we kind of look at the roster at large and, you know, go position by position, we'll probably do something like that closer to the spring game. But um, I think that's about it for today. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, um, portal window is going to close
1: here in a little bit. So I'll have a good idea of who's going to be in for spring. Um, Obviously, that doesn't really matter if you're a grad transfer, you can kind of come and go as you please. Um, But I think we're coming up pretty quick on locking into the spring roster here. So crazy it feels like the season just ended and we've got a long off season ahead of us but i feel like we have we still have more to talk about um and i'm excited for uh for the coming weeks here to talk about the uh, i think roster management has become the most interesting part of college football i don't know why i'm just fascinated by it mm. um and
0: I'm, I'm excited to talk a lot more of it uh with the gang here yeah the machine the machine never stops the machine that is college football so you know this is our uh, a, a little two week two podcast week for us here I haven't done that in a while but um, we will be sure to you know you can expect at least one podcast from us uh, every week going forward for the off season. that is our stated goal this year to keep things consistent for you so if you're listening now really appreciate it make sure you keep your eyes peeled to that feed get alerts from when you post new ones whatever that may be make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen make sure you're subscribed on youtube if you want to watch us there um, and I think that about does it. Make sure you visit Homefield, Use that code ROARLIONSROAR at checkout for 15% off of your first order. But I think that is going to do it tonight for myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Thanks for listening to us here at Roar. Lions Roar. Go State. Go State.